Hi. So, when I recorded this episode a few weeks ago, we weren't dealing with the world in the way that we are today with the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak, where lots of public spaces have been closed, the ROM, the AGO, all the libraries, the schools are closed for three weeks. Um, Lots of people are in social isolation because they've either contracted the virus or they're just trying to flatten that curve, um, what we have heard, to try to slow the spread so that our healthcare system doesn't become overloaded. And all this means that food service workers are hit really hard in this situation because people are eating out less and that means there's less money being spent and with an industry that works on such tight margins um it can be really difficult to keep a business open and for servers who rely on tips for their uh income to keep going and uh we're really just in uncharted territory Um, Nobody really knows what's going to happen. This hasn't happened in any of our lifetimes, so we're all just sitting and waiting. So I wanted to put this disclaimer on this episode because I may sound relatively joyful um, in the interview and all the sections that we talk about, like we usually are in these episodes, and I didn't want to come across as um, not taking in the seriousness of the situation right now. Um, I'm going to be watching the news and watching over this week to see if I can put an episode together for next week that talks about solutions and what things are happening and uh, how to apply for EI and how what type of processes are happening and all those sorts of things, hopefully geared directly towards food service employees and business owners so that maybe we can have some solutions. So if you're in social isolation... Keep doing your thing. Enjoy this episode. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you next week when maybe we have a little bit more of an idea of what's happening. But everyone, keep their hopes up. Peace. Welcome to Health's Kitchen, the podcast that talks all things health, safety, and performance when it comes to restaurants and the food service industry. I'm Aaron, kinesiologist, former dishwasher, server, bartender, and I will be guiding us through this journey as I connect with industry professionals, health experts, and anyone who has a good story in the food service industry. Hello, 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 and we are at another episode of the Health Kitchen podcast. Now, before we get into anything else, go wash your hands. Nice and easy. We have a virus that's going around called COVID-19, and the best thing you can do to prevent the spread is to wash your hands, not touch your face, and yeah, so go do it. That being said, for our regular programming today... We always talk about health, safety, and performance in restaurants. But I think at this point, 
We probably have had a lot of stories from chefs, servers, and bartenders, but less stories when it comes to the the owner side. So owners, managers, all that side, the business owners, the business side of this. And we can't leave that out. We have to take that into account because if we don't have a well-functioning business, then we can't do anything to support our employees because then we don't have a workplace. And today's guests focus on helping business owners run better businesses so in turn they can do better things for their employees. So without further ado, let's get into introducing them. Today's guests go by the name of Tyson and Eve, who founded Take Action Consulting. And what they do is they help small and medium-sized food service businesses, particularly restaurants, move the needle so they can have better revenue, better businesses, and from there, we can create better performing employees. I'm not going to go into too much more detail, so let's go listen in. Fantastic. So I am sitting here with Tyson and Eve from Take Action Toronto. And I thought I would just give the floor to you two to talk about yourselves, how you got here, a little bit about what your business is, and then we'll get into all the fun stuff after that. Yeah, uh, I have a background uh, in a lot of corporate restaurants. I started out from the bottom. I remember interviewing to my first job and they said, do you have any restaurant experience? I said, no, but I know how to make drinks because I drink them. And they said, great, you start tomorrow, wear all black. Uh, <laughs> and that was about how I started. Nice. Uh, and, you know, 10, 12 years after that, I was general manager of some of the bigger volume restaurants on Front Street. Uh, generally stayed in that area for about 10 years. Um, bouncing around from place to place, but, you know, saw the Blue Jays go from worst attendance to highest attendance back to worst attendance uh, in yes. uh, that span and you know it's it, it was a crazy ride um, but you know always wanted to do something for myself and that's how we got started with uh, Take Action Consulting. Fantastic. Yeah and uh, myself I kind of started like most people do as a dishwasher when I was about 15 or 16 um, and I remember you asking the question in one of your former podcasts about, you know, did the industry choose you or did you choose the industry? And the industry chose me. I never really thought I would be in, you know, the industry in the bar scene. Uh, obviously I did it for money through school and things like that. Um, but I was actually in sports for a long time. I worked at MLSC and like bigger companies like that, um, running stadiums. And what I found was I only knew to, how to do two things in life, work in bars or work in stadiums. And, you know, at some point the, the industry chose me and, you know, I kind of climbed my way up from bartender bar back to, uh, you know, run, running a GM restaurant, running a regional of four different restaurants and venues and things like that. Um, and yeah, and then here we are uh, running our next step, right? right. That's exciting because I, I love the stories of sort of the industry chose you because a lot of people have 
embraced it in a way. Like they've uh, started somewhere, you know, dishwashing wherever it may be, and then worked their way through to doing all sorts of really awesome things, connecting to all sorts of different kinds of jobs and opportunities. And I think that's something that I forget about when I'm always talking on this podcast of the um, bountiful opportunities that can be there. Because I think sometimes we get into like, you know, health and safety, performance, all these sorts of things. And then we forget that there's so many great opportunities there. But you have both founded Take Action Toronto, which does consulting for restaurants. So we'll just get a quick description of what you do and then we'll uh, continue from there as well. Yeah, uh, it all sort of stemmed from the fact that we were both working for these high volume places and week after week after week, we kept seeing all these neighborhood haunts closing down. You know, everyone sees it. It still shows up in your feed every week. BlogTO says, this place that's been open for 20 years is now closing. Uh, they can blame the rent. They can blame whoever they want. They can blame property taxes. They can blame the city. They can blame people for not drinking. But at the end of the day, you don't see that failure for these bigger businesses because they put in these systems and they put in the effort to succeed and they're really really in the modern age of how they run things and so somebody who's had a restaurant for 20 years might not have the same understanding of where hospitality has come from where it's been and so if you keep things old school forever eventually the world is going to pass you by and things you know you're going to have to close your doors yeah yeah and so you know part of the reason we started this company or the main reason we started this company was we were working for all these corporations we were working for these big guys and you know when we move the needle you know a little bit for them they don't really notice right they don't really notice or care obviously they care about their bottom line but you know at the end of the day we saw these places closing we saw these people who needed help um, who needed you know who come from various backgrounds and some of them don't have education in certain ways and in business school and things like that and you know running a restaurant is a business and if you don't treat it like a business then you will be out of business right you know at the end of the day we have to make money at a sustainable rate and you know who's helping these restaurant owners who's helping these people who uh you know have never worked in a corporate environment you know really structure their environment in their restaurant um so we said we would do it you know yes. um for me it really comes down to impact right what impact am i having in the role that i'm in so you know as a dishwasher or as a bar back whatever i'm helping my team right my small team my bar team whatever and for me that wasn't enough so i tried to continuously grow my impact so I could help people in a positive way, right? At the end of the day, this is a, an industry full of toxicity and like other problems, but at the end of the day, it is a really positive industry and it can have you know, a positive impact on a lot of people's lives. And for me, the greater the position and the greater responsibility that I was in, the more impact I had on the most amount of people. You know? Nice. Um, that's an interesting point you make with the, that it's still a business. Um, even if your passion is making really amazing food or make or creating amazing cocktails and stuff, you have to have that business side of it. And I find that as a kinesiologist as well, that we get taught like the hard skills of how to do our job, which is great, but they don't tell you anything when I was in school about how to like actually start a business, how to make a plan that's effective and how to grow your business from there. And it's something that is such a huge gap in so many prof professions, but particularly in the restaurant industry. And I think a lot of people get in 
because they have this um, you know idea that they want to obviously make amazing food, create an amazing experience, but there's so much underlying that that has to happen to create a business that actually uh, that actually runs. Right, and a lot of people have a passion for what they're doing. Like you said, you know, they went to chef school, they love cooking, they love that, or they love mixology, um, you know, but on the other side of it, how are you making money doing that, right? Yeah. And you know, for most business owners in general, you know, they don't even have a business plan, right? And a business plan is a scary word that people like to, you know, fantasize about that they don't know what they're doing, and you know, it's scary to write a forty-page document. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that long or whatever. But I would argue that you don't drive anywhere without a map or a GPS, right? So writing your thoughts down on paper of where you want to be and how you're going to do things is something that's really missing in this industry, particularly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to uh, be annoyed with business plans and everything, but you know, like the lean business canvas. Yep. I absolutely hate it <laughs> uh, because I find it doesn't. Because uh, I've had to do it. I was in a business program. I want to grant all sorts of things for balanced life, and I I just found that it's so lacking in some ways. Like it doesn't like because of the nature of how you set up all on one page. It's supposed to be easy to read and simple and straightforward, but it doesn't get into the nitty gritty that I feel like I need to be able to like create something that actually works. It's just my little two cents on things. I don't know why. Well, so. it sounds like based on your other podcasts that you're a detail-oriented person. I so try. you like to structure things out and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, in general, having a business plan in any form is better than no business plan, right? doesn't matter if it's a one-pager, a 40-pager, a sticky note that you write something down on, you know, but basically that's what we're trying to do is help people create a plan for how to succeed. Nice. And going with that is a lot of people think business plan is for people who are opening a business about to start a business looking for business funding okay that's why you get a business plan because you need money to open your business well we try and change their view of what a business plan actually is which is you know a live documentation of your plans for your business so yes when you have nothing and you need money you're going to write that business plan as this is what i'm planning to do i need money but once you have the money, then that business plan should evolve and say, I already know where all that money's going because of that business plan. Now, what am I gonna do moving forward? So the business plan has to evolve with your business and say, over the next year, I'm going to be aiming to make this much money out of my business and this percentage of profit. And I'm going to you know, budget this much for my labor and this much for my cost of goods. And after six months, look back and say, did I hit those targets? Were they too unrealistic? Or was I not focusing hard enough on hitting those targets? And, you know, reevaluating. And on, on the corporate level, they do this weekly. Yeah. Almost daily, right? Yeah. They, they have the tools to report and look back and say, what was my, you know, I remember we would check in real time what our labor is because we would have at the start of a shift a board that says, your target labor for today is 8.2% front of house. And so you would go in the, in the computer and check. And you're like, oh, it's at 10. Maybe I should make some cuts. Yeah. Oh, it's at 6. I need, we're way busier than we expected. Let's keep people on to clean up and make sure that everything goes smoothly. And a small business owner, an independent person who is using like an old POS that they never programmed, they don't, they don't reach out for support to, and they think, you know, oh, my labor's fine. It's like, well, what's fine? What what percentage of sales are you getting? What What is your labor like on a slow night versus a busy night? Are your busy nights paying off your slow nights? You know, yeah. You know. 
Yeah, that's a that, yeah, that's something that I've seen like from my time when I worked at a more corporate restaurant, and I saw that where they were checking labor, and they were the managers were talking about it, the managers on site. They were like, "Okay, cool. What is our labor right now? Are we going to cut people? Are we going to keep people on? Can we keep people on? Like, what's happening?" And then uh, you don't see that as much in the uh, in the smaller places as well as even if their POS system's able to do it, they might not actually have the technology to do it. But even at my day job where I like do corporate wellness consulting, one of my uh, daily clients that I go to all the time, like they do this too, right? Like, but maybe in a different way, they do a totally different kind of business, but they are constantly updating that business plan. They're constantly creating around that. And if you're not creating around that, then you're not going to be running a very effective business. And I think that's something I noticed in the last year because I actually got to sit in on their like big Q3, Q4 meetings and stuff with the whole company. And I actually got to see how they're running and how they talk about everything in front of all their employees at once with like the CFO and the CEO. And I really saw that and I was like, huh, okay, cool. That's a little bit different than maybe what um, a lot of like things that sometimes you're being taught in like various business programs or stuff like that, right? You make the plan and then you forget about it and then you just hope it all works out, which is definitely not the best way. Mm-hmm. To go about uh, doing these sorts of things, so yeah, and uh, I think like you know to avoid sounding too corporate over here on this side of the table, um, you know, how does it impact you as a restaurant worker, right? Like as a, a line cook or as a you know bar back or whatever, um, you know, all of the problems that you've been discussing in the industry about you know inequality and you know poor ownership or you know whatever mismanagement it is, and you know creating health and safety committees and all these things, you know. A lot of that stems from frustration, right? Frustration of the business owner who's not making money, right? It seems like maybe they're making, you know, millions of dollars a year. They're probably not, right? And they're probably just under as much as pressure as anyone else to pay their bills or put their kids to school or, you know, they have the responsibility of paying 50 employees and how are they going to pay for their groceries every day, right? So, you know, when all these places close and all this stuff, there's so much like frustration and anger and that's going to jade anybody right and so you know when you see your grumpy owner every day or your your gm or your manager or whatever and they're being mean it, it comes from somewhere right and if they're not in a positive space they can't create a positive work environment for anybody so like our approach to tackling this entire problem instead of you know going at it as we should work on health safety committees or we should work on this particular part of the industry we figured we would start from the top create, you know, positive work environments for the owners, you know, help them become more sustainable as a business and then start implementing some of these programs about sustainability or about health and wellness or about employee retention, all these things that kind of relate to it. So, you know, why do you care about this kind of conversation? If you're, you know, just a a worker in the environment, you care because if the owner's happy, you're going to be happy, yeah. right? And it, and it's all got to be cohesive in that positive environment. Yeah, I want to dip a little bit deeper into that, talking about the owner and uh, talking about you know helping the if it's if it's good at the top, then the rest of the way down. Because I I know this podcast, um, you know, I'm obviously really interested in the worker story. Um, that's a huge part of it, but it's also looking at that leadership side. And one thing that I've noticed with the restaurant companies that I've worked with that have been really great are the ones who have a really great like um, leadership structure there, right? Like they have a really great leadership structure. They uh, their leaderships are accessible. You know, like you can actually go. Uh, my last restaurant company I worked for, like I could literally email the president and CEO of five restaurants. So it's not like a huge company, but it's like 
Um, but you know, you could email him, you could sit down with him, and he was open to like you know uh, doing stuff with you. If you want to learn more about the industry, you want to look at our books, you want to see how we're functioning. Be my guest. Come down. I'll sit down with you. We can talk about it. And it, that's a really rare thing that doesn't happen a lot, right? Um, so can we get a little more from that example, maybe, into your stories with that? Yeah, and I think uh, you know before we get too into it, like that's a positive example of a company or a, a person or a leadership team that's doing it properly, right? In a lot of ways, and you as an employee feel that, right? And you know I don't think we celebrate enough the people who are doing it the right way, right? We focus on the the negative aspects and the negative owners and the things that are going wrong in the industry, you know, every day on food and wine, there's something to complain about, right? But at the same time, like, who's giving shout outs to that company, right? Who is, you know, are we going to that restaurant more often because they're doing things in a proper way, right? Even like everyone wants to support organically grown things and, you know, where we can trace down to who the farmer was that cooked something or that made something or whatever, you know, but who's working on the other side of the industry to promote who's treating their staff properly, right? Yeah. And that comes from the leadership team. So I don't know what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually interesting that, you know, our, our minds naturally tend towards the negative too, in the sense that I think back to myself as a leader, and I'm sure you'd agree, the hardest thing to remember to do is thank people and appreciate them for doing hard work. Yeah. And you know, people feel like, oh, they don't appreciate me here, but when shit hits the fan and everything's a mess and your team pulls through and does a great job, sometimes the last, like, the first thing on your mind is, wow, like, that was a disaster. I need to, you know, prepare my explanation to how how this went down and how, how am I gonna plan for the future? It's not, hey guys, bring it together. Thank you very much you guys kicked ass, I appreciate it, right? Yeah. And and it's a hard thing to remember just naturally in our minds. Um, and so that goes with appreciating a good restaurant that you know takes care of their staff. It goes with running a good restaurant and appreciating your staff and with having a staff that appreciates how they're treated. Yeah. And you know, just like stopping to think and say like, am I in a good situation? Is this a good situation? Is this a good positive thing for me right now? Is a hard thing to stop and remind, remind yourself to do. Yeah, it's almost like mindfulness, right? Like taking a second to notice that, or like notice to appreciate, uh, you know, if, even if the night went badly, um, you know, noticing to be like, we got through that, great job. You know, and then, you know, the, you know, after you've done all that, say, okay, how do we make that better for like our next service? So that doesn't happen again in X kind of way, right? Even though in the industry, everything can always go wrong because you never know what could happen at any moment in time. Um, but it's the, that's something there, right? Um, so when it comes to when you look at that leadership and uh, start working with them, do you have a certain process or a certain way of going about uh, having those conversations because I know working with owners, working with business leaders, or sometimes it's not an easy conversation to have, right? Do you have a process of kind of getting in there and working in that, or? Yeah, I mean, like we want to work with people who want to work with us, right? Mm -hmm. um, it is a hard industry to crack, and like you said at the beginning, where you know people have been doing this for 20, 30 years sometimes, and you know they think they know better, right? And you know there's a certain sense of pride and you know the respect that they built in their community and things like that. So you know to be open and vulnerable is a hard thing to admit, right? But if the people who are being vulnerable 
and you know admitting that they need help come to us or we go to them you know that's somebody i want to work with right so as far as our process goes you know we reach out to as many people as possible there's 7,214 restaurants or LCB, LLBOs in, uh, in Toronto, wow. just in the Toronto area right now, um, you know, and over 60% of them are not making money, right? These are all stats can, you can look them up, things like that. You know, the average profit margin is 4.3%, right? You know, you're selling a million dollars, you're getting 43,000 in profit. Yeah. That's not a lot of money, right? So, you know, if we can make an impact on as many of those as possible, then that's great. So we've just been reaching out to people and, you know, referrals and, you know, kind of working in that way. And then we sit down, we ask some questions, we get to know their business. We don't want to slap some sort of framework on it that you have to be a corporate place or you want to have to run it this way. And yeah, we just try to go from there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's very it's very much a one step at a time thing and it helps with owners to understand that when they meet us is we don't say we're coming in to change your business. And a lot of, a lot of times that actually that fear comes from the employees too. They're like, we like the things the way they are, but the owner's struggling and, yeah. and the staff say, Oh, well, we don't want them to come in and make this a, you know, a very like rigorous job where with all these rules, we like that we have this freedom. This is why we choose independent. And then we start working with them and they're like, Oh, <laughs> this is easier. Yeah. This like this helps me do my job. I can make sure you know that my paychecks are always right. Yeah. That I'm paid. I get a pay stub and not a handwritten check. Yes. Little things that like they they've come to just be like, yeah, it's an independent place. Maybe I I don't get, I get paid on Monday instead of Friday. It's like no, you should you have rights as an employee. You should be yeah. paid every second Friday. You know, like like everyone else in the world. Um, little things like that that impact the employee, impact the employer because by helping them get into the modern age, they you know they're saying, oh, I didn't realize it was this easy. I was struggling to do it the old way, or I I was using somebody else to do this, and they would always give me excuses why it couldn't be done. And we're like, no, you could actually just set it up in advance and click a button now, you know, like. Yeah. For for better or for worse, you know, like yeah, you have to maybe check what they're pushing the button for. You have to read it over and understand it. But um, helping them understand that there's a lot more tools available to them now that make their job a lot less hands on. Yeah, I get that all the time as an ergonomist, which is interesting because I find like if I'm going in to do an ergonomic assessment to like reduce injuries or whatever it is, I'm always in a really bizarre space between ownership and the workers because I'm there to reduce injuries and like make the workers stay better and all this sort of stuff but I'm also there to like maintain production um, and I find that sometimes there's like worries on both sides around that that I'm either going to make it so that the employees are not as productive as they used to be because the job can't be made easier or uh, the employees think that I'm working for the owner and I'm not going to make it better for them and it's, that's kind of funny because we have so many different ways of tackling a problem you know, that we can get into when I work as an ergonomist. So it's like, I don't have to just like rebuild the entire workstation. We can look at like the break schedules or we can look at just movement patterns or there's all sorts of different ways. And I think people forget that when you're bringing in an outside consultant or you're bringing in someone to help your business, they think they're going to like tear it all down 
and like rebuild it in this way that you won't recognize it anymore. But that would be an awful consultant. Yep. You know, just show up and like just like rechange everything and make it all awful or whatever, right? And so. I think that's where um, you know everyone kind of has to work together, right? It, and and you know management consultants, people like kind of in the middle, you know, even staff sometimes between the customer and the owner, you know, they're the middle person, right? And, you know, so it's it's confusing and without getting into much of politics and unions yeah. and all these things, right? You know, at the end of the day, we all have to work together, right? So that, you know, we're all trying to help the business grow. And if the business grows, again, the life of the employee is easier, right? So if we come in and we implement a scheduling program, at the end of the day, the employee now knows two weeks in advance their schedule. Yeah. That would be amazing. They can that never happens online. In the, yeah. You have to like take a photo of it. That never start. happens in the industry, right? You, yeah. you you book a vacation and you're just waiting till the last minute to book your flight because you don't know if the manager can afford to you know let you go or whatever. So you know a lot of these things and the manager's freaking out because they don't know if they can schedule people properly. So and all that takes is cool. Sign up for this twenty dollar a month scheduling program and learn how to use it within an hour. And all of a sudden, everyone's life's easier. You don't have to come in every day and write a handwritten schedule. And this person doesn't have to come in every day and check the board. You can have technology do that for you. Yeah. Right. And like, like you've said, it, it can be scary, right? You get these people coming in off the street and they're just like, who are these people? And what are they trying to change around here? Right. And it's not about changing the essence of what that place is of that famous dive bar or, you know, the, the neighborhood haunt or whatever that is. It's about making lives easier for everybody. Yeah. I would say the biggest impact that we have in our first month is letting the owner vent to somebody that understands. Mm. That, that's actually been the biggest set of thank yous that we've gotten from clients is they're like, I just don't have anyone to talk to about these struggles. Yeah. I, I can talk to my partner, but they're not in the industry. And, you know, they, they, they're just like a pat on the back, you know, a hug or whatever it might be. I can't talk to my staff because this stuff is a little too, you know, businessy and a little, it leaves me too vulnerable to, to explain why the business is struggling or why I'm struggling within the business. You don't want to be that vulnerable with your employees a lot of the times. And so it's like, they like, I just don't have anyone that I can explain my situation to and be told that things are actually okay. Yeah. Um, you know. We, we deal with clients who call us and say, this just happened. And we're like, hey, that's fine. Like every, every, everything, like nobody's expecting you to solve every problem overnight. You know, being a restaurant person or a bar person, problems pop up and you are expected to solve them instantly. Yeah. But when you're the owner, there's some leeway, you know, like if, if you owe money to somebody, you can call them and say, hey, I'm going to have it in a week. You know, if you, if you have any like legal issues, you have the right to contact a lawyer and spend that time to actually sort it out. You don't have to just sign a paper and, you know, commit yourself to an answer right away. Um, so teaching them to slow down and take a step back from the craziness of the day to day and say, when you're acting as the owner, you need to see the big picture and, and you know, relax and understand that at the end of the day, if the business is making money, you're doing your job as the owner. Yeah. If right. you're the owner slash manager, then yeah, you're gonna have to put your manager hat on and be, you know, in yeah. the business itself. And that's when you need those instant decision-making skills. But when you're putting on your owner hat, talk to us and we'll reassure you, things take time to build, things take time to, you know, make your vision a reality. You wanna throw like amazing events, you want to, um, 
you know, grow your business over time, you want to establish more regulars, that's all things that you're going to move slowly and it's a slow moving needle. And so it's part of our job is to help track that needle and say, this is what you've accomplished over the past month, two months, three months, a year. And suddenly they can get some perspective on their situation and say, oh, we're actually doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, yeah, I really, sorry, I'll yeah, let you go. No worries. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I want to further that point, like like the whole quote of like, Rome wasn't built in a day. Like if you try to tackle 20 different problems at the same time, it doesn't matter if you're a server who's trying to serve two tables and, you know, bust this section and seat somebody else and get somebody else waters. You can't do it all at once. Yeah. And it's all about prioritizing your time, whether you're, you know, a bar back, a dishwasher, a cook or an owner, right? Or a manager, like, you know, you can't do everything at once. So let's set up a sustainable, you know, order of operations to, okay, you're struggling with marketing. Okay, is marketing more important than finances, right? And, and making that a judgment of, you know, sitting down and really evaluating where their business is and where do they want to get to. And like Eve said, you know, you can't solve everything at once. You can't do all that stuff. So, you know, it's what do you think you need the most help with right now? Yeah. Let's put out that fire first. You know, and then over time, we'll work towards, you know, tackling everything from business concept to accounting to marketing or to POS systems and whatever. So, you know, we're not going to come in and be like, okay, here's 20 things. Go do them all right now. It's like, what's one thing? Let's tackle it one step at a time. Yeah. And I think that's something everyone can relate to. Yeah. And that's sort of how when you're, and then when your business becomes stronger, it's going to be better for your employees. They're going to have better shifts. They're going to be able to plan better and things can start getting acted like benefits and all sorts of stuff like that. If the, if the business is running that well, um, we can start to take steps in those directions. Um, and I think people sometimes forget that, that side of the equation. Just a side question. Have you ever heard of B Corps? Yeah. Okay. So I'm sitting in the center for social innovation. Why am I asking? Can I I, uh, say something on that? Yeah. So yeah, we're at the CSI uh, Queen Espadana right now, which is, if you haven't heard of it, it's one of the first co-working spaces in North America. And, um, you know, a lot of what they do here is work with, you know, everybody from NGOs to for-profit organizations, now magazines upstairs, things like that, you know, um, and, but it just, it puts everyone together to work towards goals. And so that's why we, you know, rent, re, um, relate to this place and we work out of this place a lot of the time is because they do things like certified B Corp yeah. training and things like that. So if you haven't heard of the sustainable development goals, they're all big UN goals that were, uh, you know, kind of developed in 2015. And, you know, there is only a couple actual bars and restaurants that are certified B Corps in yes. Toronto. Uh, Gladstone Hotel is one of them. Yep. Um, and there's a couple other ones that I can't remember. But, you know, what are we all doing to impact the future of the world? And uh, that's a huge question to ask in a small podcast. But <laughs> yes. at the same time, like, yeah, becoming more aware of the resources that are out there. Because there is people, like, in this building. Like, uh, there's a guy named Luke for, who started Stopgap, you know, and that's all about accessibility and building ramps and, you know, getting that kind of stuff. And, um, you know... Are restaurant owners and are people in the industry aware that there is people in the city working for them? They just have to ask for yeah. help. Yeah, right? exactly. I asked because I work for a restaurant B Corp, yeah. um, the neighborhood group in Guelph, who I talk very nicely of um, on this podcast, but they became a B Corp. And it was really cool to see how they used everything, like the uh, all the different uh, things that you have to get points on and such, to maintain your certification, to grow their brand and their restaurant, right? Because mm-hmm. they were already, they were like, they were carbon neutral. They were already talking about all these various things. They were super about the environment. They were doing like 
Eat Local 20 years before anyone thought it was trendy um, with their uh, first pub. And it's just kind of interesting seeing how they've embraced that, right? Embraced that sort of mentality. Obviously, when you're just starting a business, that's probably not going to be your first step, you know, to become a B Corp and grow from there. But it is something to think about as your business grows. How do we start impacting the lives of everyone around it, right? And I think restaurants are a tough thing to serve by, it seems, under the B Corp thing. But at the same time, it seems to be pretty rewarding. But um, yeah, the, I mean, the the whole B Corp certification and, and the sustainable development goals aren't necessarily always related to the environment, which is a huge misconception. Yeah. It also includes gender equality. It includes building sustainable cities and things like that. So, you know, it's providing work employment, like proper employment and things like that. So a lot of the issues that you've actually been talking about in your podcast, you know, they all relate to one of these 17 goals at some point, right? And so just because you're not necessarily a super environmentally conscious person doesn't mean you can't be achieving and trying to strive for these goals, right? And and you're making the world a better place through gender equality and things like that, you know? Yeah. And it comes back to the moving the needle thing. There's 17 sustainable development goals and you don't have to have 17 of 17. I doubt there's very many places that do have 17 of 17. <laughs> you could have two out of 17 and be like, hey, that's better than zero. And then let's work towards three in the next year. Let's work towards four in the next three years, right? And yeah. if you can be five or six out of 17, then you're killing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing is there's scoring. There's no perfect score on the B Corp thing. It's just about improvement. So you can never like hit your, you can never get a perfect score when you do your like audit in three years. So you would always have something to work on yeah. and something to improve with. But you're not going to save the world from your one little restaurant, right? But no. you can make an impact on it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then actually another industry related kind of on that topic is another company that works out of this place is called Wisebird. And they're doing uh, a program called Wisebox, which is the uh, takeout, sustainable takeout for oh, restaurants. Cool. So yeah, so they provide, you know, the takeout containers. I'm not fully like, you know, equipped to talk about their company, but at the same time, it's something worth looking into as somebody who works in restaurants is, you know, are there ways to, you know, lessen our impact on food waste and, you know, that kind of thing by just reaching out to a company who basically does this. Yeah you know, yeah. out of the goodness of their heart, trying to, you know, create a better environment. I'm going to hunt them down because I had Danforth Reduces, yep. the head of that organization, um, on for episode seven and talked about like how you can reduce your uh, footprint that way in restaurants when it comes to single use containers. So now I'm going to find a business that's doing it. Yeah. I'll, I'll play in contact for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, that's so good. Awesome. That's exciting. Um, okay. So... What's your favorite part of your job? I love asking this near uh, the end of our time where we talk about stuff. Yeah, I mean, with any entrepreneurial journey, there's ups and there's downs. With any industry job, there's ups and there's downs, right? There's that minute where you're, you just crushed a 100K day and everyone's loving their lives and whatever. Um, you know, and there's lows as well. And we know all too well about burnout, but we're not going to get into that <laughs> right now. I have other episodes for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the best part of our day is, like I said, making an impact, right? Like whether that's, you know, just the same way you give good customer service to uh, guests who comes into your restaurant or your bar, um, you know we get to see the smile on an owner's face when they are relieved, right? When they are just like, "Thank you," why? Like we didn't know what was going on, and you just, you know, like you've said, sometimes they just want to vent, yeah. Right? And it's you know about that human connection of just, "Hey, we're here to help," right? And that's the best part of the day for me. I don't know. Yeah, I literally word for word exactly <laughs> the same. Like, just like 
you have a really great conversation with them and you reassure them that everything's going to be okay and you know like you're almost like uh trademarked term that Tyson's trying to get a business therapist you know like oh nice (laughs) 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 sometimes I feel that way but yeah you know like just they they come in a ball of stress and they leave relaxed and like ready to tackle their week and and that alone is worth our time you know and worth us doing this is like just that impact we can have immediately with an owner just by reassuring them that you know like hey don't carry this stress with you let's get you to a point where you're happy to go into your next week and then if if we have to meet you again in two weeks and do that again then cool yeah and we leave really fired up from those meetings too right you know we actually had an impact on somebody's future or their current situation or like you know just like it's real and it's impact it's not just looking at spreadsheets even though it is sometimes looking at spreadsheets right so yeah uh, nice nice okay we have an awesome chunk of conversation here. So I think I'm going to leave it at that for now. Yeah. I think. I think that's good. I think... We could talk for hours. We could talk know? for hours. And sometimes <laughs> that happens and I, you know, and sometimes I, I keep it going. But I think that's really good. I think we're... I think this is an interesting topic. And I haven't gotten... And it's on my list. I've been talks with some restaurant leaders, like people who own restaurant businesses, like multiple mm-hmm. locations or whatever, to talk to them and start hearing that side of it. Um, I haven't gotten that yet. I'm working on it. You can, so, let, them, you can let them know about us. Yeah. It's all part of it, right? Uh, there's, you know, but it's getting into that side of it too, right? It's, there's a whole picture and there's lots of stuff going on here. And I think this is a really awesome conversation to also think about that side of it, right? And not just see the divide that you oh, see. Yeah. Everyone always sees things from their own perspective, right? Yeah. You know, like this owner doesn't care. They don't give a shit about us. When meanwhile, that owner is not sleeping at night trying to figure out how to keep you employed. Yeah. And by no means are we trying to defend owners who are not doing things in the right way. For sure. (laughs) There is people out there not doing things right and they are negative people and things like that. But what we're trying to do is just show that there is perspective from every angle, right? Whether you're at the bottom, at the middle, at the top, doesn't matter what you are. You know, somebody has a different perspective and this is just our perspective on the industry when we can view it in kind of more 360. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the perks of us working for ourselves is if we think that they're not in it for the right reasons, we have the right to just be like, no dude. Yeah. It's not how to work with you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to come back right after a little tiny break and go from there. Hey, listeners, I need a little bit of your help. If you like this podcast, I want you to go and rate and review and subscribe to it wherever you find your podcasts, Uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever it may be. Particularly on iTunes, if you give me a review along with rating it, it really helps other people find this podcast. And I really want this podcast to go wide and far because we have... 2 million people in the food service industry in Canada, and we affect 22 million people per day. So I want lots of people to hear this, and I want this podcast to go wide and far. And what's even better than rate reviewing and subscribing it is that if you like an episode, share it around. Make an Instagram post. It's really easy. 
especially if you use Spotify, you can just go and share it really straight to your Instagram feed, share it on Facebook, send it to a friend, whatever you want to do to help this podcast get around. Because I love this podcast and I want more people to hear it. So go do that for me. And if you want to be on this show, you can always send me an email at Aaron at balancedlifeservices.ca. Now, without further ado, let's get back to those crazy restaurant stories. And we are back, and I have no idea what I just said on that little break with my music and my little ad segment for a podcast for myself. I love it because I always get music from like the YouTube music library that's free, which means it's not always the best music, uh, and we just try to make it work. <laughs> um, I had a guest who requested to get like a theme uh, song. A, yeah, if we get song. to request a theme song or a walk-up if, song. Yeah, do you have? A, yeah, do you have a certain style? Because I can look through no, their library. No, we don't care. Yeah, someone was like, we want, like, Top Gun sounding music, and I was like, okay, well, that's we'll try option, our best. You know? Okay, I'll try my best. If I, if I can find it, I'll do it. But yeah. that being said, we're going to get into our crazy restaurant stories, uh, which are always fun because there's so many in the industry. And I've been saving this one for a little bit, um, which is the craziest day or weekend I ever worked at the pub I was at. So a little bit of context, the pub I was at, very large building. 350 capacity. There's an upstairs and a downstairs, but the upstairs is kind of like a balcony. So you can look over top and like down into the rest of the restaurant and we would do a lot of private parties up there. And for this weekend, there was a hockey tournament. So I don't know the levels of hockey because I used to be a figure skater, but like, let's say they're like somewhere between nine and 12 years old, maybe a bit younger. Um, So all these kids show up. So I'm wearing the Friday lunch. And this was the day one of it. And Friday lunch is happening, and they show up in large groups, like parents and the children. But the problem is, is that, or like the only way you can keep track of the orders and the bills is the kids are in their hockey jerseys, and the parents just tell you the kid's number. So that's how you're supposed to like keep track of the bills, which is a little confusing off the bat. But the problem is, is that it wasn't also just the size, it wasn't just that problem. Because like, sure, I can do that for a table of 20, no problem. But we're talking about a table of 45. And then another (laughs) table of 45. And then we get a table of 30. And then another table of 30. And this is all during lunch, and none of them made bookings for us to be able to manage this accordingly. So it's just chaos, right? And we're trying to take care of getting all this food out at the same time. It's not going well. And then upstairs, and I wasn't with this group at the time, but... um, the, the kids were so badly behaved that they just started throwing food at the server oh, and started throwing food over <laughs> top of the balcony into the restu- restaurant on any other guests, any servers that were passing by, down at the bar. I think, like, a chicken wing ended up in someone's drink. Like, just complete chaos. Like, the server wa- walked up to management. He's like, I won't go up there again. Like, I'm just not doing it. So, like, pandemonium, right? So we get through that craziest whatever. And then the next day... Um, we didn't know that it could get worse. Where we had a booking of a table of 90. I don't know how you find 90 kids on a hot... 90. I was like, how, who has that many friends? Who has that, who has that many <laughs> children in their life? But it's so like a table of 90, so they're showing up. They're trying to do their thing. Um, once again, we have that horrible system with the jerseys, which is impossible to keep track of because the kids are running around. The parents don't really tell you. It's all chaos. So that's happening, you know, so we're like, okay, that's a thing. And then finally, on top of that, we have parents calling in 
to order with the big table and then just telling the kid's jersey number that's currently at the table. <laughs> so, like, I'm, like, answering the phone and they're like, so my kid has jersey number 92 and uh, he's already there, but I'm going to order a Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> like anyway so, so that's happening and it's like so that's another pandemonium shift that we're going through right everything goes wrong again the kids are just as bratty as they were before come Sunday um, I'm doing the morning shift and I'm like it can't happen again like they can't the hockey tournament's over they have to like stop coming in and little did you know they show up again with their groups of 30 groups of 40 uh, one more time and they're like just as chaotic but on this top of it like we're three days in the hockey tournament so the parents are also like done and annoyed and you have like the hockey moms named Karen with like the bob cut <laughs> they want to talk to the manager and they're you know just being completely over the top as well so it just becomes this like complete weekend of chaos and that was the only time after that I took two sick days <laughs> um, for my other job and I was like I'm not coming in because I just dealt with like the worst three days ever so quite simply if you're a parent with the hockey teams don't make bookings of 90 people that's my this is my <laughs> just order a pizza just order a pizza yeah. Um, or like, I don't, yeah, just don't do that. Just don't do that. Like, or utter, order buffet style and then just let people just take what they want. Like something like that, but not that. So, but that was definitely the most chaotic weekend I've ever worked. And that was a place that like, we did St. Patrick's Day, right? Where it would be like lined up down the block and all sorts of stuff. But that was like nothing like the hockey bombs and their children. So <laughs> that is my story for this week. Positive takeaway. They kept coming back. Yeah. Yeah, you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, positive takeaway. Yeah. They kept coming back somehow. Anyway. Uh, craziest day that I can remember uh, was the Vancouver Winter Olympics. Uh, I was working at one of the biggest sports bars in Toronto, uh, right downtown. And we decided uh, early on in the Olympics that any time Team Canada uh, plays hockey, we're going to do, uh, you know, real Canadian uh, promotion. We're going to do uh, cheap pints of Molson Canadian and uh, cheap Caesars every single time. Why not, right? Why not? And, and then Canada obviously goes to the gold medal game, but it's in Vancouver. And so in our time, it's a 7 a.m. puck drop for the gold medal game. Uh, the city of Toronto was so gracious to say, that's fine, you can, allow, you can start serving booze at 7 a.m. Okay, so we, start, we try and prepare for this. Uh, our bar, it's a regular bar downtown, so it's open, it's, it was a Sunday, so we were open until 3 a.m. on Saturday night. So we had bartenders come in for a midnight shift where they started at midnight they closed the bar. They then cleaned and reopened the bar. Yeah. Took a nap. <laughs> On the and, then, and then woke up at 5 a.m. to finish their open to be ready to go for 6 a.m. to open the doors. Um, this was absolutely insane on its own. But we opened the doors at 6 a.m., absolutely packed the place. But we can't serve a drop of alcohol until 7, as per the city's regulations, the puck drops at 7. So everyone's anxious, so we just start taking their orders at least, so that that way we can just start making the drinks. And we know most people are going to be ordering this drink special that we've been running, Pints of Canadian and Caesars. So we get all the bartenders going, we have managers behind the bar. By the time we were able to make our first drinks at seven, 
the chip printer has been running for about half an hour straight and it is the length of the bar. I'm talking like 50 feet long chits. Uh, and so we, just, so we just start on number one yeah. and we start going. And so we know two people are on Caesar duty. All you do is just do not stop making Caesars. As fast as you can, make Caesars. It doesn't matter if you, if you don't know if there's an order, there will be one eventually <laughs> on that paper. Just start making them. I'm pouring pints in, of Canadian. And it just nonstop, I literally left the tap open and just kept funneling spears. And turns into a circus act. Exactly, it was a circus act, and I'm passing them over to the bartender who's you know arranging them on the chits so that they they can be pushed out for service. The servers, they see what's going on, and so they do what any self-respecting server would do. They go back to their tables and say, by the time you get your first round, you're going to want your second round ordered. So let me take your order now. And so they start ringing in everybody's second orders before the first drinks even get out. So as they're delivering drinks, they're saying, you now have your first round. Do you want to order another round now? It's going to take about the same amount of time. And so that's very smart and proactive of them. But as far as us behind the bar are concerned, I didn't leave those Canadian taps. And the two people dedicated making Caesars did not move from their place until the end of the second period. That's when we caught up. Oh. <laughs> and, and so we had no idea what was going on in the game. We literally had our assigned task and we just like were um, assembly line nonstop for like an hour and a half straight. And everyone was frustrated, and every, but everyone was somewhat patient because they understood. And like, you can't be in a rush to get a drink at 7 a.m. because like, it's society. <laughs> so at least we had that in our favor. And, you know, that was like golden goal. Sidney Crosby wins, wins the whole thing. The place, the energy was amazing. But I just remember looking at that chit and looking to the bartenders around me. And they were just like, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and that moment was just like the, the craziest day that I'd worked. Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly before I get into my story, that reminds me, your Caesar story reminds me of our Caesar story. Do you remember that? Where it was Grey Cup Sunday and Eve and I were working at the same bar, both as managers. And it was just the two of us on shift wise for managers. And it was a Sunday morning, Grey Cup, Grey Cups in Toronto. This was like a couple years ago. And we just go, okay, we don't know how busy we're going to get, right? It's the Grey Cup. Do people care about CFL? Do they not? You know, whatever. So we're like, okay, why don't we as good respecting managers try to boost sales by doing a Caesar promo. So the two of us right on the chalkboard, the A-frame chalkboard, uh, $5 Caesars or something like that, on the uh, like downtown Toronto near Union Station, put the chalkboard out. And I have never made more Caesars in my <laughs> entire life. Standing beside Eve, who's the other manager on duty, we kicked the bartenders off because we were like, you guys need to go sell drinks on the wood. And the two of us are just making chits, covered, covered in like Worcestershire sauce and like, <laughs> to, like Clamato juice and just like crying like a little bit inside. Like it was, that was yeah. a funny story, but that's not my actual story. My actual story is this past, um, I think it was uh, May, uh, where the rappers were making their like, you know, push through the playoffs and eventually win. And I was running uh, one of the <laughs> biggest bars on King Street in that time. And, uh, you know, we had a packed house, like three to 400 people in there, you know, people on the patio, even though it was raining, like crazy craziness. And like, the, you know, everyone felt it in the city, right? The city's alive. And how do you, how do you react? And how do you 
plan for the chaos is about to come as a, a restaurant manager, right? You can't, right? You can fully staff, you can try to pump everyone up, feed everyone Red Bulls before the shift, but there's just no like preparing for that chaos, right? And, you know, eventually I'm running around, the kitchen is crying. They've never seen a, like an explosion of chicken fingers this much. Like they can't even like pre-batch, like as fast as possible. Like everything's going nuts. And then it's like the last quarter, they're about to win. I'm like running around trying to prep everyone, trying to tell security guards, hey guys, it's about to be crazy here. Just make sure nobody gets hurt, but you can't really do anything against a mob of people, right? Like three <laughs> to 400 people who are happy, thankfully, and you know, who are just doing things. But they've had, you know, four or five hours to drink. And they've had two weeks of just benders because of the playoffs. And <laughs> so I, anyway, they end up winning. And the whole place just erupts. And I've worked in a lot of sports bars in my day. But this was crazy. People were shooting champagne. I couldn't even tell the staff not to do things like that. Because they were standing on the bar shooting bottles of champagne in people's faces. And, like, you know, people were hanging off of lights. Like, and on booths and stuff. And I was like... I can't even do anything. You like, what do am I doing? Right? Yeah. I look at the security guard. I'm like, okay, you okay? You okay? Yeah, everyone's good. Okay, like just let it happen, right? Yeah. And like you know, because it was it was so mental. Like fairly similar to both your stories, where you know, there's just a point in time where chaos can't be managed anymore, nope. and you just go cool. You know, like okay, okay, I guess we're we're good now, right? And you know, you know, afterwards there's a whole cleanup process, you know, there's a couple broken neon signs, things like that, you know, which cost thousands of dollars. But like at the end of the day, like the positive energy, the streets were alive, everyone's going nuts, like, you know, those are the times that like you hate your life, but you also love it and you realize that, you know, it's a good atmosphere to be in. Yeah, I always thought it would be a really hilarious YouTube skit if we could get like um, someone to do like a speech like the pre-shift speech before like restaurant work but make it like the Horn of Gondor from Lord of the Rings <laughs> so like <laughs> just, right yeah and, like, just like today is the day and just you know uh, you know, just, I don't think you need to make a YouTube video. I think you just go into any restaurant before they know they're about to get out. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like both Eve and I can probably admit that it's like, okay, guys, we're about to get destroyed. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see you Let's tomorrow. shotgun some Red Bulls and let's get after it, right? You know? like, yeah, exactly, right? We're all just going to survive. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's part of the... Uh, that's also, like, that's sort of kind of my favorite. Like, I hate it, but I also love that sort of magic to it because it gives you such a skill that no one can appreciate if you haven't been in it. Like, just that level of chaos and trying to manage that. Because when I go and work at, like, my day job now, like, when I'm at the clinic or whatever, it's such a slow pace but everyone's running around like that, and I'm like, you don't know. Yeah. Like, you don't know what, like, you know, how bad it could get. And I, I, I always appreciate having been through that so that I have those skills to manage those situations now. Oh, yeah. I feel like if any crisis breaks out in front of me, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, you go do this. Okay, you go do this. Everyone stay calm and let's go. Like, and those are the soft skills, you know, that restaurants teach you, right? Yeah. How to react. Exactly. In certain high pressure environments, and yeah. you know that that's not something that you see like in other industries as much, right? So exactly, yeah. And I, I also noticed that I accidentally use my restaurant voice with people who have never done it. <laughs> so like I like you what, know, sorry, what's your restaurant sound? Oh no, it's just like my well, I have my like server voice. It's yeah, not the server pitch voice. Side yeah. Talk in, but like hey when guys, going? Yeah, so I think like a couple days ago, uh, I manage a corporate gym, which I've mentioned. So I was coming in and the TTC wasn't running on time. So I came in and like 
I have, um, I get there at like 5.04, my class starts at 5.15, I have to get changed, get the mic set up, and move all the fitness equipment into the room. So the uh, my coworker who was at the front desk, I like come in and just start like telling her what needs to happen in the way you would in a restaurant, right? So I'm like, okay, I need you to go and do this right now, you're going to grab that, I'm going to go here, and then we're going to go move everything. Okay, cool, sweet. And she was like not able to like, like she just, <laughs> she thought I was like being like really mean and all yeah. this stuff, but I was like, no, it's like we have nine minutes yeah so, it's not about you right it's now not like it's right not right about now. me it's yeah. about getting this done let's <laughs> yeah. go it's yeah like exactly the meme like i'm sorry for what i said when we were weeded yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly right like, it know. doesn't count it doesn't count when yeah. it's crunch time it's just like delegate delegate talk like yeah all business and then like hug it out at the end at the end of the shift you're like we did it yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> and there's all you know and yeah you do get short with people but like the great people i've worked with never get mean about yeah. it you know they're just like you just have stuff to get it's done you're gonna, yeah you're yeah. gonna say like this is what needs to happen blah blah blah, blah and you're just gonna move on from there yeah. uh, and i've noticed in other working environments of people who aren't used to that you can sometimes scare them by accident and mm-hmm. that's sort of what happened this past week and i wasn't I was like, I was like teaching my fitness thoughts. I was like, oh, I'm probably gonna have to go explain myself after this is done. <laughs> it's not aggressive. It's assertive. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> right? And that's what you need to do in those situations. But like, my friends who are in med school, like when they're like in the ER, they're like literally it's waiting tables. Yeah. yeah. Like literally, it's like you go in, you check on them, you find out what's wrong with them, you get their order, you move on, you come back, you see how they're doing, you come back again. It's yeah. like literally, it's like an tables. ambulance comes in and things are going <laughs> yeah. quicker than normal for a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And you're able to, like, you know, put everything in order in your yeah. head and the way things need to happen. My other friend who is getting her master's in disaster management, same thing. She's like, you know, when it comes to having to order people around and those sort of training things we do, she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Because, like, I'm just used to, like, this is how it has to go, right? Maybe that's, a, you know, a post-career move for a lot of industry people is moving into a disaster management role. Yeah. Totally. You know, the government probably needs people who can handle crisis, you know? Yeah. Have you ever met a chef? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? They can work at, yeah. like, in anything. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, uh, in a hot environment, cold environment, who knows? <laughs> it could be raining. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'm going to note that for the future. I'm yeah. just going to tell people that, like, if there might be a career for you. Uh, in Let's go Canadian government. Start right? hiring some industry people here. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> so, I'm also looking at, like, getting into, like, health and safety more and maybe become a health and safety inspector for the Ministry of Labor. Yeah. And I was looking at it, I was like, I've worked with chefs, I could do that. Because they're like, sometimes people get angry with you, and I'm like, do they, though? Yeah. I don't think so. I've worked with chefs. It's yeah, you fun. hand them a cigarette, and, you know, <laughs> or you hand the server a, ba- a bin of fries, and you talk, you talk it over. Yeah, know? exactly. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. I think this has been a really... Um, a really great conversation. I think there's a lot of value here um, for all sorts of people listening. And I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Maybe I'll have you on in the future and we'll dive a little bit deeper into uh, a different topic or something along those lines. Yeah, I'd be happy to come back. This is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Right? thanks for having us. Obviously, you know, we can get a little off track sometimes. But, uh, you know, we're just happy to be here. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hell's Kitchen podcast. Now, if you want to contact me, my email is Aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. My Twitter is B underscore life underscore services. My Instagram is balanced underscore life underscore services. And don't forget to go join that Facebook group, Hell's Kitchen, where you can connect with all sorts of working food service professionals to find out what works for them, what isn't working for them, and find some people who maybe know how to help you have a better work day. And remember, if you want to be a guest on this podcast, send me an email. I'd love to chat with you. See ya!